Hi there, it's great to be with you again. This is MLEX's weekly podcast covering the top regulatory stories of the moment with our team of reporters happily ensconced in all significant jurisdictions around the world. I'm James Paniki from MLEX's Asia-Pacific team and we appreciate you taking the time to listen. Now, in just under 10 minutes' time, we'll be ferreting around in your wallets for a frank discussion about the fees being charged by credit card companies. MLEX has revealed some interesting developments relating to Amex and co-branded cards, and we'll give you the lowdown on that story with the help of Lewis Crofts. First up, though, the Virginian privacy model. That's right, the Old Dominion state's business-friendly approach to data privacy laws is winning at admirers around the Federation, as some state lawmakers push back at what they see as the overreach of the more consumer-focused California model. Our senior reporter in San Francisco, Amy Miller, has written about the state-based scramble to get privacy laws enacted in the absence of federal legislation, and she joins us right now. So, Amy, um, uh, let's firstly remind listeners outside the U.S., of where things stand on this front federally, uh, what are the chances of privacy legislation getting through the U.S. Congress anytime soon? Uh, This year, the chances are slim to none. With midterm elections coming up and other legislative priorities like choosing the next Supreme Court justice, uh, the onset of campaign season, and uh, it's predicted that Republicans are going to capture at least one congressional chamber, which means they really aren't ready to compromise right now. So it's not, not much negotiation going on right now. Okay, so that means that national legislation is off the table, but does it mean that U.S. states are now continuing to move forward with their own proposals in the meantime? Yes, uh, they are, but slowly. Legislators in at least 30 different U.S. states introduced about 60 consumer privacy bills this year. Um, But so far, Utah is the only state to pass a comprehensive consumer privacy bill. It's been uh, sent to the governor's desk for approval, and it's been waiting. That happened in about the span of two weeks. (laughs) But um, most states have struggled. Um, Washington state's legislature failed for the fourth time to pass a privacy bill this year. Um, Lawmakers in Florida and Indiana managed to pass privacy bills out of the chambers where they were introduced, but then they languished on the other side and ended up dying when the legislature adjourned. But bills are still pending in other states. Uh, Massachusetts, New York, and Connecticut are just a, a few, and so more could be coming. Okay, so it's clearly a bit of a mixed bag in terms of the timing, but are there any uh, discernible trends uh, in these state proposals, or are they all going their own way? Yeah, there are some trends you're seeing with these state proposals. I think nearly all the state proposals follow the EU's general data protection regulation example and give residents new rights over their data, including the ability to opt out of third-party data sales. Um, They would require businesses to disclose what categories of data they collect and why, and whether that data is shared or sold with third parties, and they would be required to adopt comprehensive security practices. Um, but you, where you see some differences and where the biggest um, divergences happen is when it comes to enforcement. A few states have tried to follow California's model of stricter enforcement. A handful of proposals have been modeled more closely after the California Privacy Rights Act. That was a ballot initiative that created the first standalone privacy oversight agency in the U.S. 
That's the California Privacy Protection Agency. Um, proposals introduced in Massachusetts, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Washington State would have created new oversight agencies modeled somewhat after the CCPA uh, that would also issue new rules and regulations. But the majority of state proposals this year, however, are modeled uh, more closely after Virginia's Consumer Data Protection Act. And that regulates companies more loosely than California's uh, privacy law. And I think Utah is the most recent example um, of a Virginia-style privacy bill that's moving forward rapidly. What what you saw happen in state legislatures across the country this year were were backers of Virginia-style privacy bills, a lot of the tech industry, a lot of business groups. Um, They they offered up California as a sort of cautionary tale of regulatory overreach. And they said that Virginia's law was a much better model because it's easier to understand, and therefore it's going to be less burdensome on companies than California's privacy law. But under these bills, uh, the state AG is usually uh, solely in charge of enforcement, but those AGs have limited, if any, rulemaking authority. Uh, One exception would be Colorado. Um, They passed a bill kind of in between California and um, Virginia. It has some elements of both, but the enforcement is solely with the attorney general, but the attorney general does have rulemaking authority, unlike the attorney general in Virginia. All right. So obviously some uh, different approaches there. Now, in previous podcasts, we've talked about uh, rules already enacted in California, Virginia and Colorado. How is enforcement proceeding in these jurisdictions? New rules are coming and uh, things are starting to get rolling really in California. Again, kind of a little slowly. Uh, the newly created California Privacy Protection Agency, it's getting organized and it's it's uh, setting up committees that are getting ready to issue new rules on a, a wide range of topics. Um, but they've just announced that that process has been delayed. I think getting the agency up and running has been more complicated and it's taken more time than they thought. And that's causing some concern among business groups. Um, the California AG just issued his first opinion under the California Consumer Privacy Act. He said that uh, inferences that uh, companies make about people based on several different pieces of information that that has to be disclosed to consumers upon request. And in Colorado, the uh, attorney general is, is now is starting to now take input from for upcoming rules that he's going to be issuing under the Colorado Privacy Act. So you're going to start seeing different rules coming out and you may see more differences emerge when, when a lot of these rules are, are issued. Now, Amy, you mentioned uh, Virginia in passing before. How do things differ in that state? Like I said, Virginia's taken a much more business-friendly approach to this. And, and as I said, it's, it's been very appealing to a lot of other states. Um, but like I said, Virginia's AG doesn't have any rulemaking authority. So new rules have to come from Virginia's legislature. And so this year, the Virginia legislature has expanded some nonprofit exemptions uh, to include political organizations. And they've made it easier for controllers that obtain uh, consumers' personal data from other sources other than the consumer uh, to comply with the right to delete. Um, So we're seeing actually that bill kind of be watered down a little bit. So we're definitely seeing two ends of the spectrum show up in in state privacy bills. So, Amy, what are the, the biggest challenges for state legislatures in getting this kind of legislation through? 
debates over enforcement. I think it's somewhat similar to the challenges facing federal privacy legislation uh, over a private right of action. Now, that's not the only issue, but it's one of the main issues. Bills that include a private right of action face opposition from from business groups, strong opposition from business groups. Uh, in states like Florida, they had a, a bill that included a private right of action, and there were some amendments that sort of watered that down, but it still didn't make the, the cut. At the same time, state proposals that don't have a private right of action uh, face opposition from privacy groups for not uh, giving um, consumers a way to uh, enforce these rights that they've been given. Uh, And that was the case in Washington state um, again this year. There's ongoing opposition to the proposed Washington Privacy Act because it doesn't include a private right of action. Um, And giving businesses a right to cure has been another sticking point. But like I said, there's a whole range of issues that are holding up. In Florida, for example, the private right of action was just one issue. There were also significant disagreements about the scope of the bills and actually which companies should be regulated. Amy, there are 50 states in the union. You've mentioned about 10 of them in the course of this conversation. It's obviously not not easy to keep track of all of these developments, but that's what you've been doing uh, so well over recent months and years. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, James. Amy Miller is a senior MLEX correspondent covering data privacy and security, as well as digital antitrust issues. And she's a member of our very prolific San Francisco digital team. You may know her best from her Twitter handle, at Silicon Law. And her analysis of the Virginia model and its rise in popularity is available for you to peruse with a virtual highlighter. Just go to this website, mlexmarketinsight.com. That's M-L-E-X marketinsight.com. I'm James Paniki. This is MLEX's weekly regulatory podcast. Thanks for your company. don't forget to subscribe to MLEX's podcast on one of the following platforms, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher. Now, quickly check your wallet or your purse. Assuming that you still carry around physical plastic credit cards, let me ask you this. Are any of them co-branded? You know the ones, the cards with the logo of either an airline or another significant business alongside the usual branding of the Visa, MasterCards or Amexes of this world. Well, co-branded cards involving Amex, or the American Express Company as you may know it, are facing scrutiny in the top court of the Netherlands, as Amex revealed in the course of the week. Why? Well, the question is whether Amex should be subject to the same EU-wide fees cap as Visa and MasterCard. There's so much to unpack here, and to do that, we're joined now by Lewis Crofts, MLEX's editor-in-chief. He's usually based in Brussels, but on this occasion, he's joining us from the UK. So, Lewis, in 2015, the EU capped credit card fees for the likes of Visa and MasterCard, but now Amex is in the firing line. What's happened? Yes, yeah, so credit card fees and the EU is a long-running fight, 20, 30 years worth, the European Commission uh, tried antitrust to take on Visa and MasterCard, and it, the results were pretty mixed. And so it um, came up with a, a fee cap, a regulated price a price cap, which is a rare thing in Europe. They generally don't like to do that. It's pretty interventionist. Uh, and when they did, they capped the fees on, on cards by Visa and MasterCard. Visa and MasterCard have uh, a, called a four-party system. So you've got you, uh, the consumer and your bank, and the shop and the shop's bank. There's four parties. And they capped those fees. Um, and that cap didn't really affect Amex. 
because Amex is a three-party system. So uh, there's not two banks. It, Amex sits directly itself between the shop and uh, and you. And so Amex um, wasn't affected by this. And Visa and MasterCard at the time said, this is this is bad news. You know, you're capping us and people will just just move to Amex. And so um, what the uh, regulation did is it sort of in, included a little back door and said, if Amex acts um, de facto as a four party system, uh, which it does on some kinds of business, then it's covered by the cap. And in this instance, in this Dutch court case now that's, that's going on, this was, we, um, we revealed the existence of it uh, this week, is that Amex is partnering with KLM, the airline. You remember those sort of co-branded cards you have in your wallets, which um, is the sort of Amex KLM card, or you might have a, you know, you could equally have a, a Visa United Airlines card or whatever. And what the court case is about is saying, does the cap apply to Amex? Because Amex in this instance is acting as a four-party system. So this is quite quite a big deal for Amex because it um, imposes some quite stringent caps on it. And it's quite a big deal for MasterCard and Visa because they don't want Amex to get a free ride. And so, you know, they'd like to see um, Amex uh, subject to the cap as well. Now, this is taking place in the Netherlands. The jurisdiction isn't uh, very large. Are there implications that go beyond that uh, that jurisdiction. So what's happening now in this in this court case, which involves the Dutch Competition Authority, is judges are looking into actually what does it mean if we're going to apply this cap to Amex? What does it mean? Um, what uh, charges uh, are to be regulated? And there are lots of charges that go back and forth between a card between Amex or a card network and its co-branding partner. In this instance, this think of Air Miles. This is a and Airmiles is essentially a transaction or it's a value as well. And so the Dutch courts are some of the first, probably the first in Europe, to take a real look under the bonnet of this, what's called the interchange fee regulation, the cap, and say, all right, is Amex uh, caught by it this time? And the court said, uh, yes, it is. It is uh, It is covered by this regulation. OK, so we need to impose the cap. But on what fees? On these charges that go back and forwards? You know, there's, there's things like membership charges and merchant service charges and so forth. And which of them fall under the cap? Now, what the Dutch Competition Authority said is any money going backwards and forwards is tantamount to a, a charge. Whereas the court said, ah, no, you can't, you can't do that. You need to take a closer look and see which ones, which, which money flows are actually related to the transaction, which ones are sort of, you know, is, is down to the credit card transaction and which are just general promotional money or, or, or whatever. So why this is important is it's the first court, national court, to take a, take a look at it. And what it will do is it will serve as an uh, indicator to lots of companies out there who want to do these co-branding deals. Think of your wallet. You've got co-branded cards for airlines or for retailers or for, you know, car rental companies. Pretty much every shop you go into on the high street offers you a co-branded card. And will those people be able to make, uh, you know, how much money will they be able to make out of going to Amex or MasterCard or Visa? If they get currently, if they go to Amex, there's, you know, arguably a lot of fees which can flow to KLM or to, you know, uh, uh, Tesco's or whoever. But if the judges at the Supreme Court in, in, in the Netherlands decide to say, yeah, you need to cap these fees down, then, you know, perhaps it's not so lucrative for them to go to Amex. That's the question. 
So let's talk about the companies on the other side of that co-branding, the airlines or retailers or any other business that might uh, be part of a co-branding arrangement. What does it mean for them? Amex has said in a statement that, you know, your Amex KLM card can be used now as before. And it's true because sort of everything's on ice as this case goes up to the up to the highest administrative court in the Netherlands. But what they will be doing is they will be taking a good look at these co-branding arrangements, which are very lucrative for these companies. They often put them out to tender and say, you know, so I'm I'm a, you know, I'm British Airways and I want to have my credit card. Please, Visa, MasterCard, Diners Club, Amex, whoever else come and give me your best offer, come and give me, you know, and that best offer will mean also yeah, who's going to pay me the most fees. And they, these, there will be fresh tenders coming up for, um, uh, for issuance soon. And they should be, you know, looking at this case and going, well, are these kinds of arrangements, which could be, you know, could make us some money, are they going to be subject to the fee cap if we go with Amex? So, you know, they should be watching it because co-brands, it's a popular thing. Why is it popular? Because, you know, if you're a card issuer, like, you know, MasterCard, Visa, Amex, what you want is you want someone to get out in the market and get your those your cards in people's wallets. And that's what airlines can do. And that's what retailers do, because they have a very retail facing, customer facing relationship. And they can be the ones who put the advert in or the brochure in your weekly, you know, uh, on the bottom of your weekly bill or in your monthly um, invoice or whatever. They can get the they can get the customer, get your card into the wallet. So it's it's a lucrative business for them. And those kinds of arrangements they're not up in up in up in the air on this, but you know uh, there will, there are question marks about um, you know those tenders going forward. This is a, a bit of an unusual place for competition regulators and policymakers to find themselves in, though, right? I mean, uh, you know, imposing caps rather than uh, letting markets rip, and I suppose this is pointing to an earlier realization, suggesting that markets weren't working as they should. Uh, in this particular instance. That's right. And, you know, what we're finding now, seven years after that, you know, fairly draconian, heavy handed um, intervention in the market, you know, this happens rarely in Europe. They've done it for uh, roaming charges on your mobile phone and they've done it for now for your your, your, your credit card fees, but they don't like to do it because it does look, you know, it looks pretty planned economy. And now what we're finding seven years later is actually getting into the weeds of those regulation going, okay, so you've got price regulation. Question number one, who does it apply to? Yes, it applies to Visa and MasterCard. But in this instance, does it apply to Amex? Because Amex is sort of acting in the way that Visa and MasterCard might. So who does it apply to? But crucially, the question in the Dutch proceedings is, OK, regulating a price, but kind of what price, what monies are flowing? And that's what they're really looking at here is the monies flowing between Amex and KLM and saying, OK, which ones of them are caught by the regulation and, and which aren't the European Commission and the Dutch regulator think that all money flows is basically tantamount to a to a transaction charge, whereas the Dutch judges disagree. You know what? Um, you know Visa and Mastercard would probably hope is that you don't sort of split off certain fees and essentially allow that to be a sort of backdoor for passing more cash. You know, a, a sort of circum- circumvention. That's what they, they would probably argue is that all fees need to be included, uh, because if you sort of allow certain categories of fees out, then that's just going to be a sort of backdoor for more money to flow. Okay, Lewis, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. Thanks, James. Lewis Crofts, MLEX's Brussels-based editor-in-chief, speaking to us from Bristol in the UK this week. And there's a link to Lewis's analysis of this issue at our website, ready for you to print or download. 
mlexmarketinsight.com is where you need to go, mlexmarketinsight.com. You'll find a prominently placed tab called News Hub, and that's where you need to be for all of the very best of MLEX's reporting and analysis. There's also an archive of our podcasts with all of the weekly regulatory gossip from our team of reporters around the world. Sadly, that's where we'll have to leave things for today. However, we will be back in your feed next Friday at the same time, and I hope you can join me then. From me, James Paniki, and everyone here at MLEX and LexisNexis, thank you for your company. Bye for now. Bye for now.